Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new edition. We're nude not, edition. New, the all nude edition of the Unbalanced Note. We've been away for a little while. It was the summertime. Uh, there were a lot of events going on, but we're back here. I'm Brian Kluger. We're on iTunes, Stitch Radio, Google Play. We are the Unbalanced Note, the music show. I'm here with the host with the most, Jacob Douglas. How are you, good sir? Just enjoying my yarmulke. You're doing, you, you have a yarmulke. It looks good a on you. Yarmulke. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, this is a good How does it stay up there? Do you pin it in there? Yeah, usually a bobby pin or something or okay. one of those like clips. Like, How does Larry David do it? Uh, I think he glues it on. <laughs> <laughs> LD, baby. LD, baby. Oh, my goodness. So it was right before the show, uh, Jacob said, do it to it, Lars. And I could not remember for the life of me what movie that was from. Do do any of you out there know what? Do it to it, Lars. It could also be from some kind of monster. (laughs) Right. It was the movie Heavyweights, which uh, I actually auditioned for (laughs) when I was younger. Were you a fat kid? I was I well I was I was a husky model for J C Penny. Do you remember that? You were a model. Yeah. Really. I had an agent. I was a model and actor. No shit. You've never seen the pictures? No. This is incredible. Should we pause this? Do it later. <laughs> when you say like a kid model, do you mean like you were eight years old? I was. I think from fourth grade through probably. Sophomore year in high school. Oh, cool. Okay, so you you potentially could have gotten laid from it then. Yes, yeah, yes, for okay. sure. Hell yeah. So yeah, I was I was in a bunch of commercials and TV shows, and then I was a I was a model for JC the Husky catalog, and this was back in the early nineties with the windbreakers and everything. Starter jackets and shit. And I was looking, you know, sometime because I've posted some when I on social media a long time ago, and I remember. Like I had like the Zoolander look too, like the lot of blue moose. steel, yeah, a lot of moose, in a lot hair. of moose, and like I hated sideburns the most because I had no sideburns. It was just like cut from yeah. the, uh, military, above the ear. Military. Oh, it was so funny. But the windbreakers, it was so funny. And you know, doing the modeling, you would think the clothes would be in tip-top shape, and they weren't because they were like you were the husky edition dude. well like they had like holes in it like it was crazy and uh and i did not get to keep the clothes but i got paid very well to do that and i got to movie check yeah i got to i got to miss school and uh you had to do all that stuff i'm trying to remember what else do i not know about you (laughs) i thought you knew that about me were you a teenage hand model no so interesting (laughs) hand models get paid a lot of money and it is Super hard work. I saw this documentary one time that was that followed hand models. Yeah, and they put like their hands in these weird uh, like devices when they travel. Because no, like 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 ATA flight cases are for their hands. Right. It's yeah. Like, it's crazy. You cannot. Um, you 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 can't do being a hand model is very difficult because like if you get oh, a cut on your a, hand did or you just say or, being a hand model is difficult. Yeah. You're fired. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Have you ever heard that the Bill? Do you like Bill Burr? Oh yeah. You know, you remember that thing where he went off on like, Oprah was like, being a mom is the hardest job ever. Yeah, tell that to the coal miners yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, who's gonna bake all these fucking cookies all day? It's so tough. <laughs> That's the same thing. A hand model is hard work. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, it's 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 very weird. It's um, but I I've known hand models, and I recently interviewed one who's a filmmaker. But you like 
anything, you have to keep your hands like in like a hundred percent working condition. Cause if you like, I have like a little scar right here and if you can't, you're out of work. Cuticles constantly. Dude, I would be the worst. I bite my nails. Like, yeah. It's like a habit I've never been able to get rid of. My mom used to make me put my hands in vinegar. Ooh. Just like a deterrent. Durant, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I've come, I love vinegar. Crave it. <laughs> so now it's like a thing. <laughs> yeah, I drink it. So, uh, cool. yeah, I used to be, so I auditioned for heavyweights and Camp Nowhere, and I had like a few callbacks on them, and I, I didn't get Dude, the part, awesome. of course, but. Heavyweights is a that movie kicks ass. I, I wonder if I'd still be doing this podcast if I was in heavyweights. We need to get those. Let's look those people up later. Yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, we have a good show for you today. We're going to do some music news. We're going to do a one-hit wonder, and our main event later will be Rage Against the Machine, uh, otherwise known as Radom. Rodham. Rod- Hillary Rodham. R-A-T-M. Rodham. you should refer to them. As Rodham, not yet. You need to check your micro- they weren't a pol- check your microaggressions, bro. They weren't a political band, but we'll get into that later. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just messing with oh. you. <laughs> Fuck, it's in the name. Ah, oh, so good. Um, so first news, which I know will excite Jacob. I'll always say that. Blink One Eighty Two announces their new album called Nine. <laughs> Just simply called nine. nine, all in capital nine nine nine. If it was like that, if it was they, in German, no, no, just the number nine. They have, they can't have even nine albums. Though. So their last album was 2016's California. Um, so this new album will be out in September, and it just it's just called Nine. Be out September 20th via Columbia. Man, they shouldn't call it Blink 182. Blink 182. Because that one guy is not with them. He quit to go chase UFOs. <laughs> you know about this? It was their first LP to feature vocalist guitarist Matt, Skib- yeah, Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Jesus Christ, I haven't heard that name in forever. Dude, that guy got a pay raise. But he replaced uh, Tom, DeL- yeah, Tom, Tom DeLong. DeLong. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that guy's crazy, man. Have you ever followed? It? He's like big into UFOs and like conspiracies and shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. It's I had no idea. Yeah, he quit. He quit the band. To pursue that. It's awesome. It's incredible. So how much money do you have to make to pursue, to leave a famous, well-earning band a lot to go and follow your, in quotations, dreams of trying to find out? I mean, he's probably going to be the one to storm the Area 51 in September. Yeah, him and Elon. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Tesla is like declining today. Like, I don't know if you've seen that, but, like, their fucking shares are just... Plummeting. Yeah, they're losing, like, 12% an hour or some crazy shit. So... He's going to lose his fucking mind, dude. Those guys are going to team up and just drive... It's like... You've heard of this, right? This So... And have you heard how they're going to storm it? It's going to be, like, in the Naruto run, uh... That's like, like the anim- Japanese anime where like their hands are in back of them and they're just like head first running. Dude, if, if anyone even tried that, God, like, I hope it happens. They could get obliterated. No, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> there is a reason. Boring. Like people whose parents worked at Area Fifty One have like come out on shows or YouTube and have said like, I asked my parents, like, asked my dad who used to work at Area Fifty One for thirty years, like, what would happen? And they're like. They will be shot. Like it's. Think about how hard it is in like Grand Theft Auto. Like right. when you, like if you if you fly over it, yeah. Or if like you get even anywhere near it, right? Right. Imagine that, but real life. Oh my goodness! It is. Um, hey, but that's a great question because 
I was watching this thing the other night with my new roommates, and uh, it was Tom Jones and Allison Krauss. And I have this weird thing where, like, I always want to – I look up how much money people are worth. Like, I just like to know. How much money do you think Tom Jones is worth? I mean, I would feel like Tom Jones has been around a while. I would say, like, $50 million. Look it up. You're, you're, you are going to be fucking – your mind – your head's going to explode when you see this. I couldn't fucking believe it. I guessed he was worth $50 million. According to Tom Jones <laughs> – According to Spears, Tom Jones is worth 173 million pounds, which is... 300 million dollars. What? Yeah, because he's Welsh. 300 million dollars, holy shit. So, now look, I know how much the dude from Blink-182 is worth. Look it up and that will answer your question. Because you have to have a... Tom DeLong. Yeah, Tom DeLong. I bet it's like 150 million. Those guys are fucking loaded. Eighty man. million dollars. Okay, that, that'll do it. <laughs> like, you got eighty million dollars. You can chase whatever the fuck you want all day. It's crazy. The, the picture that that they show him, he has a T-shirt on with a rocket and like Mars and shit like that. Oh, yeah, dude, I, you got to read about it, man. It's incredible. Like, that's cool though. That guy like chases passion though. Like he did music. I mean, I don't really much care for Blink. I mean, everybody knows who they are. And when I was, you know, when we were in high school, they were huge. Like, they were fucked. That band was incredibly large. But, dude, that guy made a shit ton of money in music and then went, well, I've always been into UFOs. I'm going to go pursue them now. Because you have to have well, a Well, like, how, how does one pursue a UFO? And is he, like, going to have, like, an underground bunker with people working and, like, no. tracking the skies? It's or like is the people that go after Bigfoot and stuff. They meet up. And then they start... It's like Flat Earthers. Same thing, Okay. Right? You have to have a lot of free time to, like, be able to buy into some of this stuff. Jesus you know Christ. I mean? Okay. Like, you wouldn't uh, work 9 to 5. A normal person, I don't think, would work 9 to 5 and then go to the Flat Earth Convention. No. These are people with a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't of, think Tom DeLonge had about a lot of free time. Dude, They're still making loaded. albums. About? No, he's not. He's not been in the band for, like, 10 Before. years or something. It's... Weird. I mean, I'm just thinking. Like, is there anything in your life, Jacob? You being a musician, if that I would made that m- much money, money, I would pursue. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Well, you put me on the spot, but I don't know. Like a dispensary or something. Are you talking about like if- that? Makes sense though. A dispensary. Well, no. You have. To look- he's not making any money with UFOs. Yeah, of course not, because he's a conspiracy theorist. So he's okay. trying to like pull the curtain back on it, like. Do I think that there are UFOs? I think so. No, I, I believe there's other life, intelligent life. Absolutely. Well, I think they visited us. I think yeah. they... But the odds of the guy in Blink-182 <laughs> cracking crack the, you know, <laughs> hey, he done it. You know, he figured it out. Could happen, I guess. I don't know. Stranger things have happened. And why hasn't Blink-182 made a song about this? This is beyond me. The band. I don't give a shit. They talk about their former bandmate, like... I don't know what they would call a song. Well, like, since, so since we seem to be on this Blink-182 kick, you know they tried to do a tour with Lil Wayne? No, I was actually about to just mention that. And they he quit. He quit. He, he, Lil Wayne quit. No, they're currently on tour with Lil Wayne. No, he quit. He, he, Lil Wayne walked off stage the other day. Why? Because there was no one there. No one went, like, that would be... It's a weird combination. Yeah, it's like when Hendrix opened for the Monkees. <laughs> Like it, it's not, it's not going to go over 
I mean, it's two different. It's two totally different audiences. So Little Wayne, he got mad. I watched the video because it was. It's incredibly funny. He, but he's like, man, you know, I'm not used to performing. You know, crowds this size, because it was like half full. Because he's the opener. Lil Wayne. Yeah. Is he more? Perf- is Lil Wayne more performing like a sellout Madison Square Garden crowd? I can't imagine that. I don't know. That I don't know. But it. They did a song together. Oh yeah, performing Enema of the yeah, State. They, they mat like they mat they they played that song and then yeah like they do it like Blink One Eighty Two does it first and then Lil in Wayne, its entirety okay yeah, then Lil Wayne does something it's horrible but I want to know who 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 went I got it guys I know how we're gonna get that crossover appeal we're gonna get Lil Wayne and Blink One Eighty Two like I believe more in that I would see a UFO than I would that that would be a good time. No, correct, because, you know, even, like, the audience would be so different, but then again, say what you will about Blake and Blink-182, they're playing music, they're, they're doing their thing, but what who's, does Lil Wayne do? Who's Blake-182? Blake-182. Have you ever seen the video of Lil Wayne playing guitar? No. Oh, it's, oh my God. Is, is he good? Is he like Prince? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just like him. Watch Oosh. it. I, I, it's only I, ten. It's ten seconds long. You'll 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 get okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. It's the same with like he. He's also to me like Little Wayne is like the same as like Post Malone. Like oh yeah. He he he's kind of he's tried to do. He lo- he looks the he looks the part. You know, like he'll carry around a skateboard, but you'll never see him skate on it. Jesus, Lil Wayne guitar. Yeah, watch it, dude. It's 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 unbelievable. Lil Wayne guitar solo. Yeah, I'm telling you. Okay, we're about to watch this. It is posted on YouTube, Lil Wayne guitar solo. But I, we're we're waiting for it to come up. My computer is going all sorts of. What's what does that say? What's Bang Bus? <laughs> <laughs> we should watch that. See what the music is in that. I remember in high school I had this friend who was like, "Oh, here it is. This it." Oh my. They're cheering. He's got his like his front teeth are over his bottom lip playing. He's trying. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. He's just playing the same two things over and over. The crowd's going crazy though. They're eating it up. <laughs> what is is that what he that's so weird. That's real. That <laughs> what's weird is that that's real. That, like think about people. That's quite, real. People question UFOs. That shit's real. That's so weird. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But yeah, he quit the tour. Because he couldn't handle it? Yeah. he could. Well, Because he... It's entitlement. Like, he thinks... Imagine if, like, fucking... Who can... I don't even want to compare, really, anyone to Lil Wayne that I like. But let's just use Blink-182 as an example, then. If they would go out and they look at the crowd, and after two songs, they go, Eh, there's not enough people here. We're leaving. You know, but it's like right over half full. Yeah, that's what he did. He wasn't he he he's since he, since it's not a packed audience or it's sold out to him, it ain't worth his time, dude. That's like, dude, you weird. get fucking paid no matter what. Yeah, he's and look up how much that idiot's worth. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, because I'll vomit. I will, I will be nauseous. All right, he's probably a billionaire. <laughs> Serious cash money, dude. Uh, I'll look up Lil Wayne's worth on my phone. 
All right. You don't want your computer to get a virus? No, it might. Lil Wayne net worth. Okay. It estimated $120 million. Oh, thank God. All right, Tom Jones is worth more. There is still faith in humanity. Uh, Honestly, God. I can't believe Tom Jones is worth $300 million. It's weird, right? Not weird. It's not unusual. To be, good God. <laughs> Aha! It's that. not unusual. All right, moving on. How much pussy do you think that guy got? Tom Jones? Oh, it probably rivals the Stones and <laughs> anybody else. Yeah. Well, you, it, Tom Jones kind of reminds me of the, uh, you know, like in Roadhouse, the band's playing and there's the wire in front of them. Yeah. They had to put one of those up for Tom Jones to keep all the panties from hitting them. All the pussy cats yeah, away. The chicken, co- chicken wire. He's gonna get hit with a bra. <laughs> Tom Jones. I I will say Tom Jones and the Cardigans did a cover of Burning Down the House, and it's fantastic. There's a great video of Tom Jones playing with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. That's cool. Yeah. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. All right. Who wouldn't want to hang out with him? I wanna. He probably has amazing stories. Get you laid. Yeah. All right. New bit of news. Motorhead has announced Overkill and Bomber reissues, which is very cool. Oh, yeah. Bomber, that's a great album. They're, those are both great. They're the first entries of their two 1979 releases. From 1979, uh, the albums will be available in deluxe editions of two CDs or three LPs featuring new remasters and uh, live stuff. There will be... A box set as well with B-sides, outtakes, and rare tracks. It will be here just in time for Halloween, October 25th. Halloween. So uh, I'm very excited about this. Um, Do you I think Lemmy fucking... would have ever went? Oh, there ain't enough people here. We're leaving. No, he would have <laughs> fucking played two people while drinking yeah. tequila the entire time. Yeah. Oh, yes, Did Motorhead. Did you ever see Motorhead? Unfortunately, I never saw Lemmy or Motorhead. Lemmy is probably the last... Real rock and roller. No. You think there's somebody else yeah, as badass as... You have people like Slash. Do you think Slash and Lemmy are like... I think Lemmy's on a different level. No, I'd put them on the same level. You think so? Oh, yeah, for sure. No. They're, both, they're iconic. Oh, they're so good. I love Motorhead. And you can hear Motorhead most weeks on WWE <laughs> because Triple H comes out to the... That's video. right. Yeah. That's right. Here comes the game! The game. Didn't they play on... They oh, they have played on WrestleManias before live yeah. when he comes out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Triple H and Lemmy were, like, really close friends. Yeah, hey, I, I'm trying to... I'm, I remember... Because uh, Triple H is, like, a big music fan, isn't he? Yes, and, like... Or a big metal, metal Yeah, metal fan. Dude, oh, yeah. He was really into Motorhead, and I think Lemmy did, like, two songs for him. Uh, so yeah, it it sucks. Let me die. Has it been two years or something like that? Yeah, maybe a lot longer than that. But yeah, Motorhead's good, and not to mention Motorhead had a Christmas album. Go pick that up. Run, run, run. Yeah, well, dude, fucking. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. You know, Lemmy to me was always like the the heavier version of Chuck Berry. Interesting, because he just played like, like the same kind of like never riff. changed, yeah, like ACDC, right? Right, just a heavier, faster, louder version. That's of an Chuck. interesting. Can you imagine if Chuck Berry and Lemmy ever hung out? I'm sure they did. Oh, why were we not around to talk to these people? I'm, I mean, because I think uh, you know if you listen to like you know if you heard that version of Run Run Rudolph, they yeah, do? okay, like you can hear like if you just kind of went. Hey guys, slow it down a bit and just turn it down. It's Chuck Berry. Right. It's just, I mean, they're just playing rock and roll. Yeah. 
But yeah, I saw Motorhead a few times. I saw oh, with ACDC. I, see, I've seen ACDC twice, but I never saw when Motorhead opened up for them. Yeah. I wish. I went to South by Southwest one year, and they the Motorhead, they were doing it. Motorhead, well, not ACDC, but Motorhead was playing on the back of a. It was like an eighteen wheeler, like a truck bed. They'd That's awesome. Into a stage. I can't remember for what. Uh, it was like for Loudwire, like the website. It was a okay. stage. It had like them and High on Fire and Municipal Waste. It was a bunch of really good bands, but it was like outside and hot as hot as shit. <laughs> and yeah, let me. Yeah, it was. Dude, it was fucking. The, it was incredibly loud. Like Motorhead was cool because you could feel the sound hitting you. Yeah. Probably the equivalent of like when people would go see Hendrix. Like you could you could feel it and and hear the sound wow it was loud incredibly fucking loud that's cool shit yeah, uh, man, motorhead fucking rules i like it uh, moving on we have to talk about this even though i don't know anything this person has done <laughs> music wise but this person uh in dallas in fort worth we have to talk about the rapper tay k oh tay k 47 here we go tay k 47 dumb idiot uh barged into a house with a couple friends Robbed and killed people. He was sentenced to 55 years to prison. Take K. Um, and, uh, yeah, in Fort Worth. Yeah, he will be uh, aggravated will robbery and given two. So he was, the 19-year-old rapper was sentenced to 30 years in prison for aggravated robbery and given two additional 13-year prison sentences for the two other counts of aggravated robbery. But in this robbery, uh, one person was injured and one person was killed. And uh, there you go. I don't know anything Tay K forty seven has done, but what are you talking? He's robbed and killed people. Yeah, he's robbed and killed people. But he's music? a music person. I don't know. It's so weird. Music person. Capital charge. Yeah. Goodbye until your seventies. Take K. Take K forty seven. Take care. Yeah. Take 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 care. Watch that cornhole. So buddy. yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna do well. It'll blend right in. And then our last bit of news. Um, comes in the form of Bruce Springsteen. Oh, shit. He has announced a new Western Stars film, a companion visual for Brutus, Bruce's, Brutus's, Bruce's latest album is set to premiere at the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF, which I wish I was at this year, but the movie is uh, also titled Western Stars to go along with his new album. Dude, that album is really good. I have not heard it because I, I'm a... Bruce Springsteen fan. Um, my cousin, our mutual friend Josh, does not like him for some reason, but I am a fan, and uh, I have not heard the new album. What is good about it? It's a good. It's good. Like mellow. Do you know the Bruce Springsteen album Nebraska, where it's just him and like? Oh a, yeah, it's kind of real stripped down. Right. Same kind of thing, but this kind of has a weird like uh, wrecking crew kind of vibe to it. Like uh-huh. there's some stuff with strings and. You know, it's not it's not it's not a rock and roll album. It's like a singer songwriter. Is it more kind like of, kind of like a bluesy soft? It's just like a more laid back. Okay. Like, you know, mellower album. It's really very well written fucking album. It's good. He's still consistently making good music. Like well, he, hey, he didn't he did a fucking album with Tom Morello. Oh, that's right. Jesus Christ. Which is not good. Well, mm, Tom Morello. We'll get into that in a second. Sold out, dude. Tom Morello sold out. <laughs> Which is very funny considering. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We'll, I'll, I'm going to try to get a link to watch this uh, movie Springsteen has done, and we'll report back. 
But until then, try to go find that album. Until then, fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> uh, moving on to our one-hit wonder today. Uh, it's a fun one-hit wonder. We still listen to it. You know, it, this is a timeless song. People hear this song, and you can't turn it off. Turn it's, it up. You turn it up. I'm, of course, referring to uh, the 1988 hit song by Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy Now. I thought that song was older than that. 1988. 1988. Oh. It just sounds so timeless. A worldwide hit song. Uh, It became the first a cappella song to reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Held the position for two weeks in a row. I thought that song had drums on it. No, it's just... Don't worry, be happy now. <laughs> yeah, dude. What a fucking great song. It, it, it's so good. And it's like a little bit of reggae, a little bit of jazz, you know, but without instruments. Voices is all you need, man. Keep it simple, stupid. So how that song became to be, uh, the Indian mystic ensaged Mihir Baba who was born in 1894 and died in 1969, often used the expression, don't worry, be happy, when uh, talking to his followers in the West. In the 1960s, the expression was printed on inspirational cards and posters of the era. In 1988, McFerrin noticed uh, the poster in an apartment of the jazz, du- the jazz duo Tuck and Patty in San Francisco. Tuck and Patty ruled. Yeah. So inspired by the expression's charm and simplicity, McFerrin wrote the now famous song, which was included in the soundtrack of the movie Cocktail, which was at that time, and it became a hit single the next year. <laughs> so kind of like, thank you, Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, we didn't need Scientology for that one. Right. I don't think he was in Scientology in the 80s, but soon after he was. But it's just uh, uh, it's, it's just kind of like four words, and it says so much. I think the oohs and the ahs say more than the don't worry, be happy. Right, it, right. Like, that song is, 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 it just has that, it makes you, f- no pun intended, <laughs> but it, it makes you feel good. You're like, dude, this song's great. No, it's 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 so good. It makes me want to have a Capri Sun. Yeah, so the instruments in the a cappella song are entirely overdubbed voice parts and other sounds made by McFarlane, using no instruments whatsoever. Yeah, because I, I thought I remember there being like a... Yeah, that's him. So the comedic original music video for the song stars McFarlane, Robin Williams, and Bill Irwin. So... The Crocodile Hunter? No, that's Steve Irwin. (laughs) (laughs) No, Bill Irwin is... um, You've seen him before in movies and stuff like that. That narrows it down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's been in the the moving picture. He was in... um, Oh, my goodness. Look look at this guy. You've seen him before. He looks like Michael J. Fox. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Sesame Street, Law and Order... You've seen he was in Sister Act Two in Hot Shots. Why didn't you see My Blue Heaven and Popeye? Oh my goodness. He must him and Robin Williams must just have a friendship then. Popeye, right? Yeah, for sure. On the on the movie, yeah. For sure. So uh yeah, that is um that is that is 
the music video, and then uh, the chart performance. Um, it the the single was originally released in conjunction with the movie Cocktail, but uh, <laughs> you know what it replaced on the top one hundred. What it replaced? What year was it? Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Eighty nine. It must be something we've already talked about. Is it a song we've already talked about? I don't think so. No. It, it was it, this band has a bunch of hits. Oh well, fuck. Guns and Roses, Sweet Child of Mine was number one. Damn it, toppled that. <laughs> yeah, in this little Ooh. acapella song. Don't worry, be happy to this like crazy compositioned Sweet Child of Mine song. That's badass. <laughs> no, who? If what's the spread on that in That's Vegas? Saying, you know, dude. like Someone holy shit. Fucking, where's the fucking time machine? We need. I need the time machine for multiple reasons, but that would be the main one right there. It's it's crazy. How much you want? Hey, I bet you guys this song's gonna topple that fucking music video fucking. It, yeah, and and critics have said like it's a formula for facing life's trials and tribulations. <laughs> Don't yeah, worry, yeah, dude, be just, happy. That's the best part of that song is because it's so simple. It just It's like, worry the fuck all you want. Yeah. Ain't gonna matter. Yeah. Like, just be happy. Yeah, just it's be g- happy. It's gonna happen. What is a, a, a short, directive, effective message? Yes, it is. I mean... And what happened? Like, he that was the only thing. I guess he didn't need to make he's anything. He's chasing else. UFOs. Yeah, he's chasing UFOs in Blink-182. So this song has been used in literally almost everything. Like, comedian George Carlin wrote in his book, Napalm and Silly Potty, that many Americans would embrace the philosophy of denial in the song. Uh, and then this, the uh, song was used for George H.W. Bush's 1988 U.S. presidential election campaign as his campaign song. <laughs> New world order. <laughs> Not gone dead. No. Don't worry. They happen now. Uh, without Bobby McFerrin's permission. So Bobby McFerrin stopped playing it. <laughs> During the presidential election. Well, what what the fuck else did he play then? (laughs) I feel like it's like such a shitty thing to do because like everybody wants to hear that song and you're not going to play it. You're going to let that guy dictate it, huh? It's very weird. Um, Let's see, where else? It was was used in Futurama. It was used in the movie Jarhead with Jake Gyllenhaal. It was used in WALL-E, the Pixar film. Short Circuit, you mean? Short circuit, yes. In, but... And more recently, it was featured in Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation. And, uh, yeah, it is. Um, it was ranked number 31 on VH1's 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders of the 80s, uh, Rolling Stone's list of 15 best whistling songs of all time. Oh, yeah. And uh, it won awards at the Grammys for Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. And Damn. it was... Number one on, like, forever. And there's been cover versions, of course. Well, so. okay, that's another one of those songs where when we always talk about these weird one-hit wonders, for some reason, they seem to transcend globally. Right, yes, you know globally. I mean? No, it would... I'm going to say Australia, Belgium, Canada, France, Iceland, Italy, Netherlands, New Zealand, well, it's Norway. Uni- it's a universal message. South Africa, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, UK, West Germany, and of course the US. All pretty much number 1 through number 5. Because it really yeah, and the, Poland. <laughs> yeah, the only place that wouldn't have went number 1 would probably be China. China doesn't want to China doesn't they accept the message. No. <laughs> Uh-uh. No, th- no, thank you. 
It's really funny. Uh, so interestingly enough, in addition, the lyrics of Fight the Power by hip-hop artist Public Enemy re- refer critically to Don't Worry, Be Happy, which is interesting. Don't worry. Fight the power. It's kind of like a different message. Yeah, the angry one. Yeah. Um, Spanish ska band The Locos covered the song, too. So, kind of... If you're a band, you shouldn't cover that song because there's no band on it. Yeah, you can't You can't record that. So, like, yeah. You know who should do a cover of that? Tom Waits no, without they, instruments? They, uh, what's his name? From Police Academy that did all the... Oh, uh, Winslow. Yeah, Michael Win- Winslow. Yeah, Michael Winslow. <laughs> he would nail that song. <laughs> he would. Right? <laughs> we got you the could, bleeps. Got the creeps. You got the sweeps. The <laughs> what? The what? The what? You know the bleeps. The sweeps. And the creeps. I can't do it. Yeah, you nailed it, dude. <laughs> That movie. And an idiot puts it on his leg. <laughs> so don't worry, be happy. What a fantastic! It's such a good song, and like you, it's one of those songs where you hear it, you can't not just turn it off. You have to listen to the whole thing. Turn it up, dude. So I can't remember. It was on twelve inch maxi, which meaning it was it had its own like twelve inch record, right? Yeah. And it had a seven inch promo, a seven inch single, and a CD single. I can't. But you said that it won album of the year. It, uh, let's see, at the 1989 Grammy Awards, Don't Worry, Be Happy won the awards for Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Yeah, I mean, if it won Record of the Year, though, like, imagine what it had to have beaten. Let's look. Like, as if it... Let, if, let's if look. It, if it toppled Sweet Child of Mine, that would mean it would have had to have beaten Avatar. Award winners, Le- Record of the Year, Linda Goldstein, producer, and Bonnie McFerrin for Don't Worry, Be Happy. Album of the Year... Uh, was George Michael for Faith. Um, best New Artist, Tracy Chapman. <laughs> Hell yeah, give me one reason. Uh, holy shit, that's pretty crazy. Look good for him. Yeah, holy shit. Same that man. song reminds me of the skating rink. I'm, I'm trying to look up to see what be- what won best. So I'm, I'm trying to look up. God damn it. Oh, so album of the year, okay, well, where... That's what you'd have to look up the nominees. So that's what I'm looking for right now. Musical show, polka pop, pop, Tracy Chapman, Bobby McFerrin, The Manhattan, and David Sanborn, which don't get. Um, R&B was Anita Baker, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Rap. Oh, my God. 1988 Rap Grammys. The winner was Parents Just Don't Understand by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. But what was up against it was Supersonic JJ Fad, Cool Mo D Wild Wild West, LL Cool J going back to Cali, and Push It Salt and Pepper. Push it real good. Good. Holy shit. <laughs> and reggae was Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. Uh, rock. Tina Turner, Robert Palmer, Simply Irresistible, U2 Desire, Carlos Santana Blues for Salvador, and Jethro Tull, Crest of a Knave. Tull, was it? Tull beat Metallica. There you go. Remember that one? I do. There you go. Go, go, Bobby McFerrin. You know, Bobby, you, uh, you, you're 69 years old. You're still doing your thing. Uh, I hope he's happy. I think so. <laughs> I, th- I think so. I think, uh, let's see, what is he? He got a Lifetime Achievement Award last year. and Dude, he wrote the most uplifting song ever. So yeah, he's he's doing his thing. I'm trying to think of like look look at all his uh his albums. 
He only needed that one. I mean, he's had a lot of albums. The last one was in 2013, but holy shit, a lot of them. Spontaneous Inventions. Sim- simple Pleasures. He had like five albums before, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And then that happened, and life changed. There you go. Don't Worry, Be Happy Now. Recorded in Manhattan. All right, let's move on to our uh, main event, Rage Against the Machine, a, uh, a um, band that was formed, Rage Against the Machine was formed in 1991 in Los Angeles, California, that uh, only had like four albums, five albums. Uh, the members, of course, uh, Tim Comerford, Zach De La Rocha, Brad Wilk, and... Frontman Tom Morello. No. Not, okay, sorry, not frontman. Edit. Yes, sorry about that. Zach De La Rocha. Rocha and uh, Tom Morello. Uh, yeah, as of, they, they've sold over 16 to 20 million records worldwide. That's a lot. Um, and Rage Against the Machine, man, they are one of the most political bands of all time. Like, they were very anti-establishment government, and uh, they put it in all of their songs. And unfortunately, like, I was looking at all the cover art for their albums. Like, they're, like they, they only had, like, four albums, right? Well, they had, the, you know, the first one, Evil Empire, Battle for Los Angeles... They had, I think, Renegades. Renegades. It was four. Was, was the covers album. There's only four of them from 1992 to 2000. So Rage Against the Machine, their self-titled album, it has like a monk burning himself. Yeah, and iconic like, photo. Yeah, and then by the end to Renegades, it's just like Rage. letters. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, like primary colors. I, I don't know. So... Well, it's hard to rage against the machine when you've sold 10 million albums. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, wait a minute. What are we doing? No, for sure. Like, they're anti that, like, anti-capitalism, right? Right. But, oops, <laughs> we made money We made money on this. So, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting how they kind of start, started up, and because I guess Tom, Morel, Tom Morello's former band Lockup, they had uh, broken up, and uh, they kind of got together uh, kind of, like, in 1991, Um and then in 2000 or 1992 and whatnot, they formed that band and their first debut album uh, just went crazy. Killing uh, in the name. name. Yes. Oh, every song on there is fucking awesome. No, no, for sure. It's, it, it won a lot of awards. It was heavily played on the radio and everybody was talking about it. And why do you think that is? It sounded fucking awesome. Because like, it's there, it's not no, like punk hardcore, but like it had like a melody, and then it had a message, but it was also like hard. Well, like it, it was it was like funkadelic with some weird guitar shit happening. Because Tom Morello would do, you know, it sounded like a DJ, like, right, right, scratching, and you know, he didn't really he played solos and stuff, but it was very like kind of unorthodox. It was very different. Like no one else, it's, no one else sounded like that. And they had a fucking message. Yeah, like they weren't just saying the same shit. And that was at a time where, you know, in like 90, when did that first, when was the first album come out? 93 or something like that? Uh, 92. Yeah, 92. Yeah. It was right, is literally right after they got together, they did this album, which is insane to me. You'd think like they would have like two albums and then like, holy shit. Are you a gonna... Tool fan? Oh yeah, I like Tool. He's on this album. Maynard? 
Oh yeah. He's on one song. So, so I don't like him. I just know he's on there. So with the Rage Against Machine album, uh, and you're talking about the personnel, the Maynard James Keenan, right? Yeah. And uh, Stephen right, Perkins. On the, he's on the first record. Yeah, they did. I guess additional vocals on "I Know Your Enemy" and a few other things. Uh, but this this album was insane. Like yeah. it's still regarded as one of the better debut albums. Yeah, yes. Well, out of the gate, man, it's badass, and then they fucking do this one. Uh, Evil Empire. Yeah. And what do you think about Evil Empire? I man, my favorite one, believe it or not, is I love Battle for Los Angeles because when that came out, I skipped. Oh, I went to school right across from Warehouse Music. And the day that came out, I skipped school to go get it when it, the. So you liked opened. Gorilla Radio! Well, it was cool. No, yeah. that's a great song. I love that song. I mean, it was like. Because that was the first one I was kind of old enough to wear. Like, okay, so when the first Rage Against the Machine album came out, well, I was eight years old. Right, and so this was 1999, and I was 18. Yeah, so I yeah. would have been 15. Okay. So I was like, then I was more relating to like man this guy's saying a bunch of crazy shit right you know like you're listening more to the vocal or like when you're a kid you know you're younger it's like you, i mostly just music is the, what i heard yeah but then i was like man this guy's this guy's saying some pretty heavy shit right you know and it's all current event you know topical yeah things that he's addressing in a very I don't know, intelligent way yeah he wasn't talking about you know, bitches and hoes, which that's cool too, but, you know, he was like, these guys were fucking, they were very, you know, adamant about, like, what they were fucking playing and what they were standing for. Yeah. They were fucking full on. No, they... And they hated Limp Biscuit, which was awesome. <laughs> Remember that at the MTV yeah. Awards when the guy climbed... The, the climb the thing, and they, like, had to have, like, he was yeah. arrested. Yeah, they arrested him. And... I'm trying to remember why was it like a protest yeah, or it was a protest? It was, they were pro. I think they were protesting Limp Biscuit. That's so fantastic. I'm got. I'm trying to remember like why he did that. But yeah, I re- I, re- I watched it live. That was the VMAs, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. Kind of palm tree, plastic palm tree or something. Was the yeah? It was it was part of the stage and people like it was all the news. But I believe that that uh, the Battle of Los Angeles is, was all rated cr- critic wise better than Evil Empire. Maybe. Well, at well, that point, that's like that was the end of the band, though. Like once, because that album was so fucking hyped. Right? Battle of Los Angeles or Evil Empire? Battle for Los Angeles. Because uh-huh. the Evil Empire came out and they fucking blew up. Uh-huh. Then before Lo- Battle of Los Angeles came out, like everybody loved them. So in a way, you kind of knew like this is this is going to be the end of it because they're too successful. You know, like they're that right. was their fucking final, like their swan song. Right. right. We'll say all this shit. After that, they didn't have anything else to say. They ceased being a band, and they did Audio Slave. Yeah, that, so three out of the four members went to Audio Slave, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone but the singer. Yeah. yeah. And then the music is totally different. Which is interesting. Audio Slave became like a huge hit, too. Massive. Yeah. Like, way bigger than Rage was. Which is interesting, because I feel like well, Rage... More crossover. Like, a lot... Like, moms can listen to Audio Slave. <laughs> <laughs> like like a stone, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. F- fucking no no suburban parent is gonna fucking probably get jacked listening to Evil Empire, right? You know, like just not so. Do you think Rage should get back together 
in these current times. Like, it feel like it's like a perfect no. time for them to write no, because a new what, album. That, remember I was telling you earlier, I was like, man, Tom Morello, he's, he's sold out, you know? Like, yeah, he did. You, you see him kind of doing all kinds of, well, he didn't sell out, but I mean, he's just, he's more out there. You know what I mean? Like, he's more of a, uh, I don't know, public figure now, I guess. Yeah. Where, like, it seemed like in this era of him, they were a little more kind of under the radar or purposely off the radar. Yeah. Now he's more embraced the, the Why do you think he sold out? Because, I mean, I know a lot of money is going to your hand, and he this was part of his life, and maybe he didn't want to do that really, part of his I don't, life. I, I guess I shouldn't say he's, he really sold out. But. Well, I mean, you're making money. How, I mean, what is it to sell out? I mean, you can't be what they were at 18 yeah, years old at the time. Ne- they could never reform. The energy is not there. Yeah, you know what? You're right. But you do think they could take that energy and make like a different style of music? What are they going to do? Fucking talk shit about Trump? Like, oh, that's new. Like, right. No one was, when they were doing it then, it was totally different. Because the 90s, that was, I mean, if in 92, yeah, that was. Grunge. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that was still Bush, I think, and then Clinton. Yeah. So, ooh. You know what I mean? And then Battle for Los Angeles, you had W. Yep. So, a lot of, a lot of material there. Tons of but material. But I mean, I don't know. I don't think it would work now. Like maybe if they got back together and they toured. But nobody likes rock like this anymore. Well, that's it's what I'm saying though. They would like have poppy. to if, if they reformed, they'd have to do a tour where they would do one of these three albums from front to back. Like right, a tour and play the first record from front to back, something like that. Right. And so to go back to September 7, two thousand, the band attended the two thousand MTV Video Music Awards and performed "Testify." After the Best Rock Video Award was given to Limp Biscuit, however, Comerford uh, climbed onto the scaffolding of the set. Comerford and his bodyguard were bodyguard were sentenced to a night in jail. <laughs> yeah, so they did. So it was a Limp Biscuit tie-in. I yeah, think. recall Comerford relayed his plan to the rest of the band before the show, and that both the La Rocha and Morello advised him against it immediately after Biscuit was presented the award. And I guess. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's awesome. What yeah. a protest. Fuck. That band sucks. I'm going to climb this tree. And so Renegades was a collection of covers yeah, of, cover of like Bruce Springsteen. Devo, EMPD, Cypress Hill, Rolling Stones, Eric uh, Eric B and Rakim, Bruce Springsteen, the Stooges and Bob Dylan. Uh platinum status a month later. That's crazy. That's what I'm saying. They were they were they were fucking huge, man. Like they, they just got too, they got too big. Like they imploded, you know. Man, it's so, so crazy. And interestingly enough, I don't get why, but in the wake of the September 11th attacks, the controversial 2001 Clear Channel memorandum contained a long list of what the memo termed lyrically questionable songs for the radio, uniquely listing all of Rage Against the Machine songs. Those are just kind of some kind of like right wing radio. Yeah. These guys are a problem. So, so I mean, after their breakup, I mean, they got Chris Cornell from Audio Slave. Like, well, that's they, like, it's huge. Zach De La Rocha, he did that. His band was called, uh, I think, One Day is a Lion. Yeah. Which is pretty good. So, but they all, that's a band that, like, for them to sound like Rage, they need Zach. That's yeah. why when they did Audio Slave, I mean, right. I fucking love Chris Cornell, but. Yeah. I mean, we know what, yeah. He could do, you know, he could do probably a lot of the songs off of like Battle for Los Angeles, but you couldn't imagine Chris. I mean, I guess who knows? I don't, I'm, I'm, I'd have to look up Audio Slave set list and see what what they do. Yeah, because you know they covered Rage songs here and there, but 
I don't know, man. That the the way that that Zach had the, that his delivery, yeah, was so fucking like it's almost you know he's like rapping, but he was fucking pissed. You know, I'm reading that after Rage's breakup, Morello, Wilk, and Comerford uh, wanted to stay together and find a new vocalist, and there was talk for becoming Ozzy Osbourne's backing band as well as Macy Gray's backing band. God. And Macy Gray, of course, was they, a one-hit wonder, but Ozzy Osbourne would have also been, a friend of yours. Yeah, also a friend of ours. We have danced together. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ozzy, I mean, I wonder what that would have been like. Well, so Brad Wilk played the Black Sabbath, did an album a couple, like years ago called 13. Yeah. And he's the drummer on it. Oh, okay. So there's, so a, there's, there's, there's a, a connection between them and Ozzy somehow. Okay. Already. But yeah, he played, and I think he toured with them too. I think he toured with in Black Sabbath for a while. I <laughs> that it's weird, I mean, right? You're thinking like I'm just like, was it was Black Sabbath or Ozzy really anti-establishment, or they were just like wanted to like Dude, get yeah. into it, like fuck, get fucked up, and Ozzy's oblivious. Too. I mean, paranoid. Like, you remember when he fucking went to Chipotle and ordered the burrito <laughs> on the Osbor- on the Osborne show? I guess it's been so long like since that, I've seen that. That guy couldn't. <laughs> Why would you want him to be political? Right. Yeah. He just says, well, "This is uh, I can't do it." He's got thing. the right idea, dude. It's it's crazy, and I guess didn't Rage get together like in the early two thousands for Coachella? Like, didn't they like re- reunite uh, for like a, a show? That, that, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm reading stuff about that. Maybe. So. It's it's interesting, um, and then you know after that, I mean, what does Rage really do? You know, but the, I I could tell you now they've inspired a bunch of people. Nobody oh, yeah, near dude. as popular, right? Well, I said, man, they they were cool because I was into like I really I've always loved Funkadelic, and I hear a no, lot, I love you hear the yes. huge influence that Funkadelic had on these guys. Which is really it's all cool. That neck breaking fucking rhythm right. shit that's happening. Yeah, it's like God damn, this shit's fucking jamming. Oh, it's it's good stuff. It is good stuff. I, did you ever see them live? I never got. I never them. saw them. I saw live. Audio Slave. I when did you see Audio Slave? This uh, let's see. I was in. I think I was still in high school. That would have to have been like two thousand three, two thousand two. Okay. It was at. Uh, I think it was at uh, Smirnoff or whatever it's called. Oh, uh, Starplex. Starplex, yeah. yeah. Always be Starplex. Well, I try to stay hip, you know, yeah. with the <laughs> Is with it Smirnoff? Like, it was Super Pages? And then it was, yeah, whatever week, it's called. You just say whatever, whatever you want to call it this week, Pavilion. Right, there you go. YouTubes. You, YouTubes. Um, but yeah, their, their music is really good. I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, and like, they have like, like, they're, their messages and their songs, but they also have like really good like melodies and like it just like gets you like yeah pumped up like dude that bass is fucking they tell you they were badass man they're really good fucking band I I like like the song know your enemy you know it's just they're very political and do you I mean no rappers are like that out there you have that's what's what I'm it, saying. bongs this, and Bentleys that's what you know I'm this this these 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 guys actually had a message and were saying something. Yeah, uh, capping capping fucking hoes and shit. take a forty seven or take a take care. That was good. He ain't gonna make it. Um, so, I mean, if you had to compare them to anybody today, who is there anybody? Like, is there anybody? Lil that, Wayne. 
There you go. He's, oh, he's got a message, right? Uh, fuck, man. I don't, I don't think there's anyone that's that inventive with the... Like, the music side of it is what instantly... I was like, man, what's this guitar player doing? Yeah. Because it was so weird. I don't think anyone's as nearly as inventive or creative as they were just musically. And then the vocals happen. You're like, God damn. I mean, it's a one good one-two punch. The one-two punch. I can't think of anyone I could really com- compare them to. Yeah. They, I, I, they're one of those bands that, unfortunately, I think they've, they've like influenced more shittier bands to do stuff. <laughs> and nobody is as good. Yeah. yeah you, can't, you can't achieve that level. No, yeah, that w- they were a perfect place at the perfect time. Yeah. And they only had four albums. They didn't outstay their three, welcome. Was it really only three? Cause the last oh, well, that one was, was a cover. Yeah. yeah. So, very interesting. And unfortunately, I do not have the Battle of the Los Angeles. I have to have their first two, which I like the first two, but I need to get an well, original. I, I just, I've always been partial to the Battle for Los Angeles one, just because I can still It's remember. nostalgic, I, yeah, too, I yeah. Because even the dude working, he was like, he was at a parental advisory sticker on it, right? And I was... You know, 15 or 16. Right. And the guy was like hassling me over. I was like, man, come on, dude. Just let me buy the fuck. It's like a $16 CD. Yeah. Come on. What are you doing? Yeah. He's like, you lo- you really like this band? What do you like about them? Like the guy talked to me about them. I was Interesting. like, well, they're intelligent. Because that was at a time when you had like Ludacris and Nelly. Those were the things that you heard on the radio. Yeah. Like, why do I want to listen to this? Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. I mean, I that's cool. Like, yeah if, yeah, if you're hot, take your clothes off. Right. Duh. <laughs> no, I, I am a fan. I never saw them live either. I really wanted to. Um, and all these guys are still alive. Yeah. There they you go. could reform at some point, but I don't know. I don't really know why they... They'd, like I said, they'd have to do the... If they did, I bet they would just be to do an album from front to back. I don't know if they would write new music, but who knows? Only they know. Only they know. We'll get them on the show. <laughs> God, that would be awesome. Tom Morello. Um, but I think that wraps up our show today. We are the Unbalanced Notes. Uh, go out and buy that uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy Bobby McFerrin single. Or just listen to it. And uh, also get, um, get, get some Rage Against the Machine. And, of course, uh, when Lemmy Motorhead comes out, get that as well. And if, Overkill and the bomber. Yes, and if you have a little spare time before you go to bed tonight, look up Blink-182 UFO and just go down that rabbit hole. Tom DeLonge, baby. I'm Brian Kluger, BoomstickComics.com, HighDefDigest.com. We are the Unbalanced Note on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And Jacob Douglas, he's on Instagram, Scrumchalescence. Scrumchalescence. I've you, never got one follower from this show. That's not true. He's gotten a lot of followers. No, I haven't. Not any. <laughs> we'll change that. Um, Just one. Just it will be back very, very soon with more music and one hit wonders. Until then, uh, you stay classy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs>